Hi, I'm Levi Smith, and this is It's Worth Noting. Interviews and conversations with business and thought leaders about organizational health and culture. I invite you to visit my blog at itsworthnoting.com or follow me on Twitter at Levi underscore Smith. Roy Spence needs no introduction if you live in Austin, Texas, or are familiar with the advertising industry. He's one of the founding members of GSDNM, an advertising agency of tremendous success and impact over the past few decades. They've been responsible for such iconic campaigns as Don't Mess With Texas and Southwest, You Now Have the Freedom to Fly. In addition to this work, Roy is the founding member of the Purpose Institute and a best-selling author of It's Not What You Sell, It's What You Stand For. Roy's passion for helping people and organizations find their purpose and his involvement in the conscious capitalism movement served as our topics of conversation. My interview with Roy was split into two parts, and now part one. How are you doing today? I'm just doing perfect. Uh, you know, you, if you say perfect, even if it's uh, kind of a bad day, the worst will fall is pretty good. So I'm perfect. <laughs> good positive outlook. <laughs> the first thing that I wanted to ask you is whether you feel like you've got a good handle on the main reason that companies lose sight of their purpose, assuming at some point to get off the ground, someone had a clear purpose in mind. They they went through all the, the, the effort to get a company going, but somewhere along the way, that's been lost. Do you, do you feel like you've got your finger on the pulse of, of what the most common reason for that is, that companies lose sight of their purpose? Yeah, it's pretty interesting because, Levi, on the whole idea of how you, how you, how you lose your way, and I think it's also – whether you lose your way in your company or you you lose your way in your personal life or you lose your way in your professional life or family life, it, the, the common denominator is that, and again, I don't have the corner on the smarts. I've just been blessed to be a part of, you know, a whole lot of purpose-inspired cultures. I think the common failing is that we actually start believing, for example, in business, we're in business to make money. And I know that sounds strange, but I believe in John uh, Jim Collins. I believe in what uh, John Mackey now is preaching because I'm part of the conscious capital movement. Most organizations, 90% of them, know that you have to make money in order to perpetuate why you started the company. In other words, we know that money, at least when you're a, when you have a purpose-inspired culture, money is a byproduct of doing great things. Uh, whether it's Apple or Southwest or GSDNM, you you contribute and improve people's lives, and they reward you with their dollars. And nine times out of ten, when an organization loses its way, I would also say a person, they get consumed that the product is money, that the product is uh, the bottom line, and that 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 reality is now gone forever. When when the internet was invented. A lot of things happened, but what the what the powerful thing is that everyone basically is going to know everything about you, your company, your country, and if you're not in the business to improve people's lives, you won't be in business. Instinctively, entrepreneurs start organizations because they want to make a difference. They want to. They've got a new idea, a new restaurant, a new whatever it might be that would somehow make people happy or more productive. And you focus in on the idea that. We're in the business to improve other people's lives. And in the bottom 
result of that is if you do it and you run your business right and you actually have products and services that are of high value, you actually improve your bottom line. So I would say, long story short, nine times out of ten, when organizations are, let me also say leaders of organizations, they start believing that making money is the product, that making money is the reason you're in business. Making a difference is the reason you're in business, and the byproduct of that is making money. That's where I think most people lose their way. That reminds me of, I think, uh, Collins is the one who uses the analogy of you need oxygen to live, but no one would say the point of life is to breathe oxygen. Exactly. Company company needs profits to live. You and, and, you know, free enterprise and capitalism and profits, What they, when used – we liberate the world. We lift people out of poverty. Capital, there's a huge difference between crony capitalism and conscious capitalism. He's right. You have to have oxygen to live, but you don't, your purpose in life is not just to breathe oxygen, but it's to actually contribute. So, you know, 10 years ago, if you were, we were having this conversation, we would all think, oh, you must be a nonprofit. But the world has changed because consumers basically have said, as I said in my book, there's a lot of commodities out here. And you say you've got a better this or a better that, but in the end game, there's a lot of commodities. And what people really want to know is, do I believe in what they stand for? Are they good corporate citizens with their employees? Do they treat all their stakeholders uh, with value? Do they treat their vendor partners? And so the whole idea of purpose is that, in a sense, Southwest Airlines, we're in the business to give people the freedom to fly. And every time we uphold that purpose, we do well. Now, there'll be energy costs and some factors here and there. So I would say net of it is people lose their way when they think making money is the same as making a difference in people's lives. You make a difference in people's lives, they'll pay you money. Where do you see the trend line with this going? So thinking back, you know, to 10-plus years ago and now today, do you think that there's more focus on this issue of, you know, purpose and uh, what what the impact of the company is? And then where do you see that going over the next 10 years? Do you, do you see uh, more and more attention being paid to this, more and more companies having to, you know, really grapple with the fact that they may have lost their way, lost their purpose, and that consumers are, in fact, leaving with their dollars to other companies uh, that they have a higher respect for or whose employees they uh, connect with uh, more? Great question. Um, again, there's no crystal ball uh, in, in – I'm always a suspect of people who – feel like they can kind of predict the future instead of create it. But here's what I see, and, you know, again, I was lucky. I got to hang out with Herb Kelleher at Southwest Airlines for still 30 years, Sam Walton for 17 years, Norm Brinker, who started Chili's, you know, Charles Schwab, all of these amazing organizations, now L.L. Bean and John Deere, that instinctively we were attracted to because they had cultures of – higher purpose. They might not have been able to articulate it, but they, you know, you look at the pride of an L.L. Bean or a John Deere or a good, you, you find organizations whose brands kind of breed the idea that we're in it to provide things for consumers and B2B customers that actually improve their lives. The trend is going to accelerate because consumers are basically going to say, because they're going to know everything about everything, you know, you see the Arab Spring, you governments fall uh, because they're they're not doing they're not trying to improve everyone's life. So I think the trend becomes this, and I'm in the boardrooms and 
and other rooms all over the country, uh, organizations, CEOs, the ones that really get it, realize that if you want the most engaged employees, if you want the most purpose-inspired cultures, if you want people who have work to do and not just jobs, you're going to have a purpose that's beyond making money. And so I think, with again, with the conscious capital movement that, you know, container stores are part of, we are, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, Patagonia, Starbucks, that conscious capital movement basically says we're going to change the dialogue because if business really does its job, we need less government. <laughs> Uh, you know, in the end, you know, if we could have more businesses doing what they need to be doing with their employees and their vendor partners and their communities, then we could have a government that doesn't think it has to do everything. So it, it's a win-win for everyone. I hate to use that's a trite thing, but purpose, conscious capitalism, doing the right thing, improving lives, in the end, will be rewarded by improving bottom lines. So I think it's just beginning. Do you think that employees can be fully engaged with a company that lacks a clear purpose? I mean, is it even possible, do you, do you think, for an employee to show up day in, day out, and, and literally give their best if they're working for a company that, that lacks a clear purpose as you've defined that, or by definition, are companies missing out on output, contribution, ideas, et cetera, if they've left this issue unresolved because their people aren't fully engaged? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Again, the data is interesting. You know, Arthur Pink and his whole idea with the book called Drive is that if it's a menial job, meaning if you're out there on the assembly line or you're just doing functional work, uh, and I'm not minimizing it because I've done a lot of functional work and I respect the hell out of people who do because it makes everything run. I think purpose maybe is a little less important, uh, uh, not, not, not in the big manufacturing. I think when you look at, uh, GM or automobile companies, if, if the workers don't know why they show up in order in terms of their purpose and their, what are they providing consumers. But I know for a fact that companies and organizations whose basic model is they think for a living, uh, the data is really clear. And that is the best talent, the most engaged talent, want three things. They want autonomy, meaning I'm, I'm working for the team, but boy, you know, I, 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 I think I can do the job, and if I get in trouble, I'll call you, but if not, give me some room. <laughs> Second, they want to become masters at their craft, whether it's, you know, whatever that might be, whether it's a chef or whether it's a advertising agency. And most importantly, they want to know, is there a purpose here? And like I said before, engaged employees and an engaged workforce, I never believed I ever had a job here after 40 years. I always believed I had work to do. And that's radically different in the way you go to work. i got to get up. i got work to do. And the work is about building or creating or manufacturing or shepherding something that you know is going to do something special to the people who use it and buy it. So... I think you can have maybe an engaged workforce without it, but you can't have a fully engaged workforce, especially as a young talent comes out and says, I really want to be in the business of making a difference. And, yes, I'd like to make a lot of money, but I don't want to do it with the expense of just going to work every day and have a job. So if you want to, if you want to have work to do, lead with purpose. If you just want to have provide jobs, then maybe it's not as important. 
going back to the point that you just made a few seconds ago about how young people are looking at this, do you see a noticeable difference between, you know, Gen X, Gen Y, that crowd uh, versus an older crowd who may be in senior management today in terms of how they look at a company's culture, their health, the purpose, these things that we're talking about and making career decisions based on which companies are best aligned with them rather than companies that just give them the best financial opportunity? Yeah, you know, uh, um, Neil Howe in, um, is a great friend. He wrote uh, Generations and with, along with Bill Strauss, and they have a – and they wrote the book called The Fourth Turing. They're really generational experts. And there's a lot of nuances between the generations that are very – Subtle, some of them are very distinct. Here's what I know, because I've learned it. I didn't know any of this. Whether Herb Kelleher is 38 years old or 78 years old, there are people who instinctively know, regardless of generations, that it's more fun, more rewarding, mainly on the work side, and then also then financially, to work in organizations that you know have Practice the golden rule. The culture is about treating people with respect. The culture is about telling people they're important. The culture is about hope and drive and excitement and not fear-based. The culture is about creating products and services that actually contribute to society and the well-being of human beings. Whether you're in this generation or the boomers or the Xers or whatever, the best talent, I believe, are naturally attracted to organizations who have a culture that is nurturing, is challenging, is exciting, is fun, and it's not fear-based and it's not, you know, threat-based. It is a base about that we all are in this together and we can do something extraordinary if we work together. So I know that's not exactly the answer you might have wanted, but I don't look at generations or demographics. I really look at who gets that they want to live their life doing what they love to do. Who gets the fact that they want to live their life at work being around people whom they love? Who gets the idea that you don't have to sit in a fear-based culture? Would you rather be in a fear-based culture, a supervised-based culture, or would you rather be in a culture where well, we're all in this together, and we're doing something pretty special. So that's the way I look at it. My interview with Roy was split into two parts. Please listen to part two in the subsequent podcast. Thank you for listening, and check back soon for new episodes. Remember to visit itsworthnoting.com, where you can read posts about leadership, productivity, and technology. On the top right section of the site, you can subscribe to both the blog and this podcast.